is a good God. God is a good God. And I say God is a good God. And God is a good God. Come on now. Oh, yes, he is. 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 And God is a good God. God is a good God. I say God is a good God. God is a good God. Come on, put those hands together. Oh, God. Uh, we love you in this place. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. It is so, so good to be back home. When I, because you figure it's been almost over two years since I've been here. And when I walked in, I went, wait a minute, I'm in the right house. So much has changed. But God bless you. Bless you, Shalom, to our bishop. Thank you, man of God. Thank you for being the father that you are to so many of your spiritual sons around the country. And as it has already been stated, we keep our bishop in prayer. And I know Pastor Sharon says she's going to be watching, so let me get started. You've heard our foundation scripture read in your hearing from 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 12, King James Version. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, goodness, Faith, love, patient, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witness. Father, we thank you now. Your word is already blessed. We hide it in our hearts that we not sin against thee. I'm only a vessel, mouthpiece, so use me this day for your honor and for your glory, that through me you might be glorified. I receive the anointing for this moment in this place. In Jesus' name, and every believer said, before you're seated, if you're here with family, then you can kind of turn to them, but if not, just look at someone and repeat our theme, said the fight of a faithful father. One more time, the fight of a faithful father. You may be seated, my brothers and sisters, in the Lord. The fight, the fight, the fight of a faithful father. So one of the most difficult days to celebrate for you and I in America is today, in June. This day, especially in our, our BIPOC, black indigenous people of color or people and black and brown communities. It is challenging for sons of African-American men to grow up and become mighty men of valor when the father figure in the home is a part-time father. Then you have those fathers who are physically in the home, but they are emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually disconnected from their children. 
strangers in their own home. Too busy to spend quality time with their own sons and daughters. So we're dealing with a conundrum here this morning, Shiloh, and black American when for the most part, our youth and young adult children had to grow up without having a relationship with their biological fathers. Then we asked them, we asked them to come into our, our sanctuary, come into our places of worship, and we asked them to lift up their hands. We asked them to honor and praise God, who is our heavenly father. Now that's the conundrum. I don't have a relationship with my father, but you want me to worship God, my heavenly father? So men who have unresolved issues, especially men with their fathers for not being actively involved in their lives or afraid to open up and show their true feelings and emotions, even to God, even to God. Men struggle with the concept of calling God our Heavenly Father when having such a bad experience with their own earthly biological father. So the reality this morning, Shadow, the reality of the truth is, my brothers and sisters, there has been a, a raging out of control epidemic in black America for hundreds of years. And this was before COVID-19. The epidemic is responsible for thousands and tens of thousands of, our, of death of our young people across the streets and across the cities and the neighborhoods of, of our communities of colors. And this epidemic is absentees fathers. Fathers who are missing from the home. Most men of color were not properly father in the home, and I am one of them. But let me just segue for a moment, understanding that before there was a when, what, where, or why, before the peak was set on top of the mountain, before the seven seas were spewed out of his mouth, before he flung into the celestial heavens, the stars, the moons, and, and everything, before all of that, you were predestined and preordained in the mind of God, before the foundation of the world. Therefore, there is a plan for your life. Now, how you got here has, is not, has nothing to do with what the plan of God is for your life. So never allow your past pain, pressures, or sorrow to determine your destiny because your destiny was set in motion before you were conceived in your mother's womb. Oh, oh the fight of a, of, a, of, a, of, a faithful, of a faithful father. So yes, we didn't have a proper relationship with our father. We did not have the positive role model in front of us who served as an example to us, inspiring us to live a quality and productive life. Uh, uh, let me just, just deviate just for another quick second because it, I came from the south, from, Saint, from Alabama to the south side of St. Louis, Missouri. So from the rural south, to the third fastest city in the country at that time. So my training was not a positive role model. I was trained how to do some devious stuff. And, and, and when you get certain seeds that are planted inside of you, 
This is why you must stay near the cross. Now, I'm going to help somebody this morning. Just because you saved does not mean that you are at a place what we call absolutionism. In other words, you're totally set free from all of the junk that's been in your genealogical tree. You have to understand the reason you're not doing some of the stuff you used to do is because the spirit of the Lord is inside of you now. But the moment we begin to regress, just like Dracula, some old stuff come up out of the coffin. So you have to keep it locked down. You have to keep it locked down through prayer and through fasting and through fellowship and understanding that there's just stuff, some stuff I'm not going to do, not because I can't do it, but because the Holy Ghost won't allow me, oh God, to, to do it. Oh God. Uh, so though you might not have had a positive relationship, you must understand that God has you in the hollow of his hand. He's in control. So we do not have, myself included, in my life, men of character, integrity, men of morals and norms. Not even in my own biological family. I'm the baby and my older brothers. No men of principles, of discipline, faith, or hope. No men of optimism. We didn't, I didn't have that. Men who was determined. Men that had love and compassion. Men who gave us godly counsel. Men who gave us words of wisdom and instruction. Men who gave us sound guidance and advice. Men who taught us how to balance career, how to balance our family, how to balance our friend and our places of worship. A father that would tell us never to quit, never to give in, and whatever you do, don't ever give up. Most of us Not all of us did not have that, and especially in black and brown communities. We didn't have men who taught us how to build an intimate relationship with God. Now back in, I know it's going back a minute, in 2008, then candidate Barack Obama ticked off some statistics that always stuck with me, and I just wanted to reiterate them for a moment. They were, they were drawn, dropping statistics and he was at an apostolic church in Chicago and he talked about the debilitating effect of a fatherless home, of a fatherless home. And he went on to say children without a father in the home were five times more likely to be in poverty, seven times more likely to commit a crime, seven times more likely to run away from home that they were 20 times more likely to end up in prison. 78%, Obama goes on to say, of the men who were in prison did not have a relationship with their fathers. You see, fathers, how important it is? It's, it's important. We have to shift and change. Nothing change until we change. If we do not change, there would be no change. He went on to say that children were nine times more likely to drop out of school. He said that the children who did not have a father figure present in their lives were more prone to behavior problems. Obama also stated that fatherhood is not defined by conception, but is defined by participation. Yeah, yeah, you might as well clap on that one. It's nothing, it's nothing like your child 
looking up into the stand and seeing you sitting there rooting them on. It's nothing like your child when you show up to, to the, the school and when you become actively in part in their academic achievement. There's nothing like your child uh, to know that you have them. That's, that's priceless, my brothers and sisters. And as pastors, and I know Bishop is the same way, as pastors, and this is during the season of graduation, we literally been all over the country for one purpose, and that is to show support. That is to show support. It's one thing to, how can I say this? I'm at Shiloh, so I gotta be careful. So it's, it's one thing to be a sperm donor, but, but it's another thing to participate in that seed. I, I, I understand that some of this psychology is in the roots of our genealogical tree, that it came from time of being enslaved. But brothers and sisters, at some point in time, we need to break the cycle. The fight of a faithful father. Now, James J. Gross, who is one of the top respected family lawyers in America, wrote an essay that reverberated around the legal and the psychological communities entitled, A Father's Right. A Father's Right. In his essay, James writes that the United States Constitution provides protection for the rights of a father. He goes on to say that the father has right that cannot be argued deliberated in our courts or through our judiciary system, and they cannot even be taken away. So then he goes on to kind of click and tick off some of the rights of the father, put them in a laundry list, if you will. He said the father has the right to guide and influence his child in their formative years of growth and development. He says the father has the right, he has this right, to be involved in the life of his child. He has the right to interact with his child. He has the right to nurture the child without the harassment of the other parent. He goes on to say he has the right to, yeah, go, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I can go somewhere with that one, but I won't. Cause he, see as, as pastors, and I'm quite sure Bishop been there, you'd be surprised how many times we had to be to the court and speak on the behalf of some of you. Yeah, yeah, you know. So he has the right to decide the environment in which his child lives. He has the right to oversee the scholastic and the medical records of the child. He has the right to determine the child's faith and how the child will participate in this faith. He has the right to determine the child's doctor, dentist, and what medical treatment that the child receives. James goes on, the attorney of law goes on to say that a father should not get too excited about his rights and forget his responsibilities. When a father, he goes on, says, understand his responsibility to support his child, and this support should not be court mandated. 
but consciously provoke them. He understands that his duties and responsibility as a father, providing for his child the basic necessities of the child's survivor, and that is his oxygen or, or clean air, water and food and shelter and sleep. He argues that it's just not the right of the father, but the responsibility of the father that he would be responsible to his children. The fight of a faithful father. Faithful fathers, 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 those of you who have been faithful. Now listen, if you ask our children, they may not give you an A plus. <laughs> I, I'm so glad that, 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 that DCF wasn't as active when I was raising my kids. Because this new parenting skills is a little bit outside of my comfort zone. I don't know nothing about giving my children a time. I know about giving them a time out, but not that you, you need to go to your room. You need to have to take it. No, 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 no. Uh, I'm watching time. Let me tell you this real quick. I, I remember, remember years ago, I was at, at the grocery store, at the grocery store, and there was this little kid on the floor. He was just on his floor screaming and hollering and wailing, hollering to his mama and telling her, no, I'm not doing this, no, I'm And at that time, I, I was uh, working at the shipyard and I had my coveralls on, my bald head, my dark shades, and my boots on. So I walked up to the woman, I stood over the boy, and I looked at her, I said, ma'am, would you like me to help you get your son up off the floor? The little boy looked up at me and he shook his head. That little boy got up and ran and wrapped his, wrapped his arm around his mama's leg and would not let it go. It make no sense you cannot go shopping because your child is acting that, listen, you, you need somebody to talk to you, not to the child. So fa fathers, we're in the fight. We're in the fight today like we never had to fight before. Fathers, fathers, we're fighting against systemic racism, social and economical injustice. We're fighting fathers against racial profiling. I remember I had the deputy chief of police to come in front of the congregation of New Life and tell our young men of color how to respond if they were ever stopped. Now, some folks don't understand that conversation. They don't have to have that conversation. He had to explain to them, this is what you do not do, and this is what you do if you ever stop by the police officer. Profiling, police brutality, racial and health disparities, gun violence, domestic violence, especially during COVID when everybody was locked in, didn't have nowhere to go, Violence went up the roof, out the roof. Mental and emotional disorder, cyberbullying, peer pressure, early exposure to drug and alcohol, the fight of a faithful father. I'm almost there. But in 1 Corinthians 4:14, the apostle Paul writing to the church at, at, at Corinth, and he's writing to give them some understanding. 1 Corinthians 4, 14, he said, I write not these things to shame you. I didn't come here to shame you, men. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though we have 10,000 instructors in Christ, 
yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, Paul goes on and says, I have begotten you through the gospel. Yes, yes, that's why I'm so proud to be a son of this house, of, uh, of this ministry. So quickly, quickly, my brothers and sisters, when my time is almost up, let's revisit the text. In, in Paul's first pastoral letter to his son, Timotheus, in the gospel, here Paul is admonishing his little protege to maintain godliness with contentment. He exalted him as a minister of the gospel to fight as a faithful father for the faith. He said, don't, he told him, Timothy, don't be moved or discouraged by those who will come in Shiloh. Don't be moved. Don't be discouraged. You're going to have folks that come. You're going to have folks that leave. Just say so long, bye-bye. Because this is the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our sight. Unless the Lord builds a house, the labor but labor be in vain. Oh, yes. Upon this rock, I will build Shiloh. And the gates of hell should not prevail against it. So here, uh, Paul is encouraging his son in the gospel. He said, don't be discouraged, Timothy. He said, don't do it. Be steadfast, unshaken, and unmovable. And real quickly, let me give you uh, seven critical principles that we find in the text as we talk about the fight of a faithful father. The, the first one, you must know your purpose. Somebody holler purpose. Notice what he said, but thou Oh, man of God, I want to say to every father that one of the highest salutation, one of the highest admonishment is to be called a man of God. It's to be called a man of God. I, I need to go find my man. Listen, let me tell you something. You want to see this brother have a big smile on his face? It's when my wife says man of God. Mm, oh, Lord. She says man of God. When your children look at you as a man of God, you understand your purpose. It's to reflect who he is to your children. Yeah! And secondly, we find here in the principal teaching of Paul to his son, he said not only that you must know your purpose, but you must remain pure. Now listen, listen, listen. I know we don't talk about that no more. Folks do what they want to do, when they want to do, how they want to do it, and you better not say nothing about what they're doing. But at the end of the day, God is a holy God. At the end of the day, that you and I must be holy also because he is a holy God. Live peacefully with all men as such as lies within you, but holiness without, no man will see the Lord. So let's see it. Let's see it in the text. He says, you must remain pure. Flee these things. Now, if I had time, we can go back up to the top of the text and tell you the things he told Timothy to flee from. Are you catching this? And, and, and so when, when I, I talk to my, my, my sons in the gospel, especially those who are pastors. Uh, these are some of the things I tell them about. If, you, if, you, if you're a, new, a newbie, a new pastor in ministry, there are certain things you cannot do. 
There's some things that I do not do in almost 29 years to this day. One of them, I do not counsel women. If you cannot take it to my wife, then take it to J-E-S-U-S because Johnny ain't having nothing to do with it. The devil is a liar. You know what I'm saying? You sitting up there with all your stuff showing with that tight dress on, look like you greased yourself up and jumped in it. You want to sit there with that little short dress. What are you trying to pull down? You knew the thing was short before you left the house. Ah, you got to remain. You got to remain. I'm not saying you got to wear a dress down to your ankle, but my God, at least leave something for the imagination. Uh, let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. Bishop, I love you, man. You knew I was kind of wired up before, you know, you do that. So number three, number three, real quickly, number three, number three. Not only are we to know our purpose and remain pure, you must preserve, be preserved, be preserved. Go, or persevere, should I say. You must persevere, go after, go after, go after. Must persevere, go after righteousness. Go after righteousness, upright standing with God. Go after godliness. Go after faith. Go after love. Go after peace. Go after mercy. Go after. You must pursue it. Go after it. Number four, not only are these things, but in order to fight the good fight of faith, we must have a willingness, men, to be panacious. You must be willing to fight. I, I, I remember the old folks used to say, if you don't stand up for something, you'll lay down for anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, you have to have, I'm not saying you got to go off every time somebody say something to do, but you have to have a fight inside of you. Brothers and sisters, listen, let me just make this plain, simple, and, 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 and it's quick for you. This is not a physical fight. I'm not talking about you looking in your nightstand on the side of your bed in the third drawer and pulling out your peace be still. That's not the fight I'm talking about. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. And no weapon that is formed against you, no weapon that is formed against your sons and your daughters, no weapon that is formed against you as a man of God, it's going to prosper. But you got to be willing to fight. You have to be willing to fight. Let the devil know that you messed with the wrong father. Let the devil know that my seeds are blessed in their going, in their coming, their uprise, their sitting down. I'm a man of God. Not because I said it, but God has declared it. And what God has spoken, so shall it be. Don't allow no one to define who you are. I know that I know, I know that I know who I am. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm seated together in heavenly places. I walk upright. I live right. I talk right. I do right because I'm a father who fight the good fight of faith. I'm fighting not for myself, but for my son, for my daughters, and for their children. 
I'm fighting for his glory to be revealed. Come on, brothers. You fight the good fight of faith. The battle is not yours, but it belongs to the Lord. And if God be for you, if God got your back, it is more than the world against you. I understand. Daddy wasn't there. I understand that mama wasn't there. But I heard him say, I never leave nor forsake you. I'll be with you always to the end of the age. Therefore, we can call him Abba. Father, I stretch my hands unto thee. No other, no other help I know if thou withdraw yourself from me. Where shall I go? Fight my brother. Fight my brother. Fight a good fight of faith. Fight till your day is done. Fight as if it's your last fight. Tell the devil, not this one. Let the devil know, not this one. I'm going to fight with everything that is within me. Fall down on your knees. Lift your eyes unto the hills from which cometh your help. Your help cometh from the Lord. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all. We can ask or think according to the power that worketh in you. The Holy Ghost power, the dunamis power, the exosia that's in you. Fight! Fight! As if it was your last time.